Unearthing Paranormalcy is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. I would like, if I may, to take you on a Welcome to another episode of Unearthing Paranormalcy, the podcast that digs into the paranormal and tries to find normalcy in the topic. I'm Amy. I'm Dave. I'm Chad. And I'm Kylie. We're joined again in the chuckle box or the ghost box by Kylie. Yay, Kylie. Yay, Kylie. Yay. She's going on a road trip with us. Yeah. But before we. Road trip time. Before we load up the car, let's hit some business real fast. Okay. If you've got any paranormal or creepy stories that you want to submit for one of our spooky episodes this spooky season, you can send those on over to umpnormalcy at gmail.com, or you can submit them on our Discord or Facebook or wherever you, wherever you contact with us. Yeah, we have a special channel on our Discord for people sharing their own personal encounters. Yeah. I believe it's called Personal Encounters. Ooh. And you can either record them yourself and submit them that way, or you can just submit the story, and one of us will read it for you. And if you have a specific person you want to read it, just put on there, hey, I want Dave to read this in his sultry Dave voice. And we'll have him read it in his sultry day voice. Or we can read it as a character. Yes. I could read it as a 1930s newsman. He can. Or Chad could read it as Elmo. Ah. <laughs> or I could do it as like a valley girl. That's not a valley girl. I don't That's know what a that is. That's girl. a hick valley girl. <laughs> or like Brittany completely. I cannot understand why you would like do that. WTF. Like totally. <laughs> And let's hear from one of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network shows. Totally. So what's up? It's the sex positive comedy show your parents forgot to warn you about. I will be your delightful host, Jeep Weird, and with me are my three very sexy friends. I'm Captain Spanx, drop an anchor. It's a I spanker. Hi, I'm Ray Gunnigan, mm. and I'm about to eat 16 feet of nerd rope. And I'm Luxa. And that is all you get to know about me. <laughs> Join us for a ride full of twists and turns as we explore the rabbit hole that is I human sexuality. I, Smuts Up Crew, would like to propose. Oh my god, he's proposing. A question. Get down on your fucking knees. <laughs> if you're curious about expanding your horizons or getting more comfortable in your own skin, then the Smuts Up podcast is for you. Or maybe you're just a horny nerd or a person who enjoys outdated references. The Smuts Up podcast is fun for the whole step family. I'm going to say the B word. <laughs> Butthole sunning. 
<laughs> if you were to put a hot dog in it, is it a sandwich? <laughs> I don't know. Is a bread dilder with a hot dog inside it a sandwich? Write to us at smutsup69 at gmail.com and let us know what you think about that. Available on your favorite podcast apps. I put a D20 in my mouth. Nailed it. You should totally check out Smuts Up. They are awesome. Amazing. And Kylie is too young to listen to Smuts Up. She is. <laughs> Sorry, child. I'm sure you have a lot of questions from that trailer. <laughs> we will answer them all after this episode. <laughs> we didn't really play the trailer for her. She's fine. <laughs> All right, so let's hop on into the uh, let's hop into the unearthing paranormal sea <laughs> creepy cruiser. Yeah, are we there yet? Are we there yet? I haven't even started the cruiser yet, <laughs> and we're gonna head east. Mom, need on my side of the call. <laughs> I'll turn this car around. I swear. <laughs> Don't make me come back there. <laughs> Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <sighs> I'm going to need a drink when we get to Nashville. <laughs> <laughs> and the town that we are going to there in that there, Tennessee, would be Smyrna. Smyrna, Tennessee is located in Rutherford County, which is just outside Nashville to the southeast. Cryptids and spirits seem to be abundant in this area. Around Almaville Road is a spirit that roams the thickets of the Joe Gorley Farm. And according to legend, it's the spirit of Lieutenant James Morton, a Revolutionary War veteran who is buried on the farm and keeps his spectral eye on the old place. Female spirits seem to inhabit Rutherford County with more veracity, such as the ghost around Nice's Mill. This legend is about a woman that caught her husband and his lover inside of a car at the mill together. She cut off their heads with a butcher knife. That wasn't very nice. (laughs) (laughs) She cut off their heads with a butcher knife. You ever seen such a sight in your life? And according to locals, if you carry out the following ritual, she may think you're her cheating husband. (laughs) Ooh, fun. (laughs) Let's take the cruiser on over there. Point the car towards the woods. Rev the engine twice. Flash the lights three times. Then shut it off. After 30 minutes to three hours... Folks have seen a blue light appear floating across the fields. This is a warning, because if you stick around, the woman will approach the car, butcher knife in hand, ready to attack anyone she recognizes. I'm not sure that a wait of 30 minutes to three hours... It you sure saw just the cop showing up going, what the fuck are you guys doing out here? I'm like, did you really summon it, or did it just happen to pass by? <laughs> like the patrols every three hours. Yeah. <laughs> Another spooky spot is a bridge. A woman was killed in an accident on the bridge that crosses Stewart's Creek on One Mile Pike. Some of the wreckage from the car is said to still be rusting away in the creek. Whenever couples have stopped on this bridge or close by, 
the monkey woman, is said to leap out from under the bridge and attack the car. Fuck yeah! (laughs) And that's not the only legend about Monkey Woman. The next one takes place on Jones Road. The story goes a poor woman was caught in a radioactive fallout which turned her into a mutant covered in long white hairs. Teenage mutant ninja monkey. Teenage mutant ninja monkey. Teenage mutant ninja monkey. Heroes in a white fur. Monkey Monkey power. power. She lives in a close by cave and roams under the cover of darkness seeking her lost child. She has been sighted walking along fence tops and lurking around barns. She doesn't like to be bothered and will attack anyone that gets close. I think I found what I want to do in my afterlife. Come back as a monkey woman? I want to be a monkey woman. (laughs) (laughs) So if there's any Oklahoma monkey woman sales after my death, (laughs) it's me. Swamp Road has an interesting spirit that has only appeared once. In 1940, a little old lady holding an umbrella was seen walking around the two curves of the road. That very night, big balls of fire were seen rolling around in the wet fields. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire! I say, what if that was just a little old lady who happened to be walking down the road? They're just not related. Oh, they're... Yeah, it could have been. <laughs> That's why it was only seen once. <laughs> <laughs> so let's take a closer look at Smyrna and its two most haunted areas, which are coincidentally directly on Stewart's Creek. The Sam Davis Home, which is now a museum on 168 acres of land, was built around 1810 and was restored in 1850. Sam Davis was a Confederate soldier who lived here until 1860, and in 1863 he was hanged by the Union Army as a spy. Apparitions of young men, believed to be Oscar, Sam's brother, and Sam himself have been seen. The sound of a woman crying in the parlor has been heard. This is thought to be Sam's mother and grandmother. Also on the property, there have been footsteps, voices, EVPs, and electrical anomalies. And for those that don't know, EVP stands for... Electronic Voice Phenomena. (laughs) Jenny Lamb worked and might still be the director of the historic home. After his death, his home really became a symbol of his memorial. Of his bravery during the war. There have been lots of stories over the years, not only visitors, but employees here that have had encounters with something. I've heard the footsteps and the doors closing, but it never seems to be anyone there. I know there there are spirits in this area, but I can't quite put my finger on who they are. He was an excellent horseman. So after just a short time as a soldier in the army, he was recruited into the elite group known as Coleman Scouts. Davis, along with his fellow scouts, worked as spies, crossing enemy lines and collecting intelligence from the Union Army. 
1863, federal troops captured him near Minor Hill. The general threatened to hang him if he didn't provide information on the contact that gave him the papers in his possession. Sam, Dam- Sam Davis is famous for saying, I would rather die a thousand deaths than betray a friend. The general made good on his threat on November 27, 1863 in Pulaski, Tennessee. His bravery earned Davis the title of Boy Hero of the Confederacy. His body was brought home to Smyrna and buried in the family cemetery. His mother, Jane Simmons Davis, fainted when she saw from the upstairs window the wagon carrying Sam's body come into view. Sam's apparition, or possibly his brother's, has been seen by many visitors. A tall, slender man with a long beard. He's been seen looking out of windows, seen on tour. There's also the ghost of a little boy and a lady in green. I've heard of ladies in white and ladies in red, but never a lady in green. green. (laughs) She supposedly wears a green dress from the 19th century, and so people thought she must have been a tour guide. But none of our tour guides wear period clothing. Maybe it was Sam's mother. Visitors have reported seeing her and maybe his grandmother, Elizabeth Collier Simmons, crying in the parlor on anniversaries of Sam's wakes. Several employees have reported the grandmother watching them with arms crossed. This place leans into the haunted activity and in years past have held nighttime tours as well as hayrides and ghost stories for the kids. The following are some encounters people left on hauntedplaces.org. This first one is from Ann K. from 25th. We went there for the first time after returning to the parlor from the upstairs. We smelled a strong perfume and felt like we had walked into a freezer. We walked outside and then after talking about it, we asked if we could go back into the parlor and snap a couple of pictures. I didn't smell I didn't smell the perfume anymore, but the room was still cold. I took six or seven pics from the room. When we looked at the picture, there is a bird on the wallpaper pattern that appears in different color. Amazingly different. From one pic to the next. It's crazy. Next one is from Stephanie from July of 2019. The last time I went there, I have seen one of the spirits looking out one of the windows. I seen the shape of the face and looked at the photo inside of the museum, and it was the grandmother Elizabeth I had seen. The next one is from Ilana211 from October 2022. A historian who lectured at the San Davis home confirmed I have the only known photograph of the ghost of Elizabeth Sam Davis's grandmother. I lived in a rental home for eight years on the grounds of the former slave cabins of the former Sam Davis plantation. I have videos, audio recordings, and witnesses to the paranormal activity that occurred during the eight years I lived there up until the very last moment before relocating. They apparently did not want to let me go. 
The movers were so freaked out, they refused to enter the home, and I had to call several Christian friends over to help me finish moving. Yeah, if I had to move, I'd call my Christian friends for sure. <laughs> yeah, they can't say no. It's the Christian thing to do. <laughs> Sadly, I don't have any Christian friends. Walk over to the nearest church and say, hey, um, can I get somebody to help me move? I, I guess this would have been the last family to actually live in the home before it became a museum. Yeah, or maybe it was abandoned and then became a museum. I'm not sure exactly when it became a museum. But the next area is Fate Sanders Recreation Area, and it is located on Weekly Lane, right across the bridge that crosses Stewart Creek. Like you're going to Hoppy Harbor's Grill at Fate Sanders Marina. Mmm, Hoppy Harbor's Grill sounds good. <laughs> uh, just to the east of the bridge here on the map are two cemeteries, Sanders and Patterson, which look like they are submerged underwater. Um... I don't know if they actually are. I tried to look at the photos people had left behind when you look at a site and it just showed people like in a parking lot taking pictures of the water. So maybe mm. they are submerged cemeteries. So Fate Sanders is a popular spot in Smyrna for fishermen, boaters, and family picnics by the Percy Priest Lake. And it's also home to a chilling local ghost story. I will say Sanders and, P P Sanders and Patterson... Sound like a law firm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sanders, Patterson, and McGill. <laughs> Two fishermen were heading to their truck one evening when a little boy approached them saying he had lost his dad. That's when the fishermen broke the number one rule and decided to split up. One split up, gang. Yeah. One followed the boy into the darkness of the woods while the other stayed behind in case his father showed up at the parking lot or a ranger or game warden happened by. Minutes turned to hours, and at 2.30 a.m., the fisherman that stayed behind was startled when he heard the cackling laughter of a boy right next to his truck. <laughs> he hopped out and saw the boy standing at the entrance of the wooded trail. He told him he had found his dad and had something really neat to show him. The fisherman yelled at the boy to go get his friend, to which the boy cackled and insisted again for him to come into the woods and see what his dad had found. <laughs> hey, come here. And it was about that time the fisherman had enough, got back in his truck and drove away. There have been many reports of hearing a little boy's laughter coming from the bushes here late at night. <laughs> so he just left his friend. <laughs> Fuck you, Tom. I love you. You're on your own. Ha <laughs> ha, <what laughs> I caught the biggest fish. Ha <laughs> ha. <laughs> cool, I got a new speedboat. <laughs> I couldn't find any follow-up. I couldn't find any names. I think it's just one of these legends. <laughs> That's the thing. But, the boy wanted to show him his dead friend. Oh. But it could also just explain, like, the laughing sound people hear from bushes there at night. Yeah. Which, it's not a big recreation area, but I guess it could be, there is that diner right there. So it could be the laughter of raccoons and stuff that feed off the garbage there. Yeah. It reminded me of when we did, I think it was Atlanta at the Six Flags. Yeah. With the little girl who comes out of the woods. Yeah. And we were all like, 
This oh, is what yeah. you you don't follow the child into the woods. You yeah. stay in the parking lot and you call the police. You don't want to be left alone with the child. <laughs> Mm-mm. Mm-mm. <laughs> Whether they're dead or As alive. As a male, I don't want to be anywhere near a child by herself. <laughs> oh, yeah, that, yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> it's like, as these two fishermen, do they really want to be there with the little boy when his dad finally comes out of the woods? <laughs> <laughs> like, what are you doing with my son next to your truck? <laughs> you were trying to kidnap him, weren't you? Dad, he said he was going to show me this cool worm. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you're not helping. (laughs) (laughs) So who's ready for some Monkey Woman Bridge sightings and findings? Fuck yeah! Our first one comes from Mrs. K. Yates of Murfreesboro, which is just southwest of Smyrna if you follow Highway 41. Well, she and some high school friends had a close call with Monkey Woman back in the day. I didn't see it because the trees were real tall and it was pitch black. We had been sitting there a long time and when all of a sudden the trees started moving like there'd been a wind. Then we heard the loudest scream. Uh... It it couldn't have been a human. Like, we liked all had a wreck. Monkey Woman has been known to drive off people that buy the farm where her cave is located. I know this because Mrs. Brown said... The guy that lived on the farm where she is packed up and left and they asked him why and he said he woke up one morning and saw a monkey woman looking in the window. (laughs) Don't draw your blinds. One anonymous resident said, Monkey Woman Bridge in Smyrna was one of the spookiest places I've ever been to. Monkey Woman Bridge was the place to go if you wanted to scare anyone. The Monkey Woman would howl at you and either throw things at your car or swing over the car and hit it and scratch it. Sometimes she would have a baby doll hanging from her hand. I sure hope it was a doll. Ding! Mm, biscuits and mustard. Mm, thing, blade. Um, and these also come from hauntedplaces.org. An anonymous said, Monkey Woman Bridge is exactly where it's been for over 67 years. Well, it's a bridge. It doesn't fucking move. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, the bridge is moving! <laughs> Well, it was where, it was located there for six or seven years, and then it got up and moved over about three y- blocks yonder, and uh, now it's there. All right, time out. It actually did. <laughs> they deconstructed it in like 2008 and moved it to Kittlesborough Village. <laughs> so the bridge up and moved. Yeah, he ain't lying. <laughs> Monkey woman lives in a fucking trailer bridge. <laughs> All right. Monkey woman bridge is exactly where it's been for over 67 years. On one mile lane off of Almaville Road. I was, or it was reconstructed in 08, but it's still said to be paranormally active. THC4 said. (laughs) You gotta be high, (laughs) Miss. 
<laughs> Monkey Women Bridge in Smyrna, Tennessee, on mile one lane or one mile lane, just off of Alamilville Road. At one time, I was a one. At one time, it was a one lane wooden bridge <laughs> with the tall metal arches. It has since torn and modern. <coughs> But she is still there. <laughs> Anonymous. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Anonymous said. We are anonymous. <laughs> oh, another anonymous. Most of the posters were correct. I I have lived in Schmierna, Tennessee since 76. And I have always known about Monkey Woman Bridge. It goes over Stewart Creek and is two lane it is a two lane bridge, one in each direction, with no shoulder. It is located on one mile lane between f- the four way stop sign where the one mile lane, two directions, Milesdale Lane and Peebles Drive intersect, and quarter mile court, closer to quarter mile court. I don't recall any reconstruction on the bridge of in recent times. Unless it was done when the road moved where one mile intersects Almaville Road. But that was done much longer ago than 08. Part of that old road can still be seen several hundred feet closer to I-24. It used to be a very narrow and run alongside the cemetery. That can be also be seen near there. The reconstruction of the bridge was done probably when they moved the road over. Aside from the car scratching story... I've heard that a woman roams the area looking for her lost child. I don't know which one is true. Okay, so maybe we're reading these comments backwards, and that's why Anonymous is like, I know it's exactly been there for 67 years. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we're reading them backwards. I don't know. Because that was kind of just out of nowhere. (laughs) But I will tell you, Tree Dog said... (laughs) 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 The bridge in Smyrna before remodeled used to turn sharply after you crossed it and then went along the creek past the cemetery. I always heard that the woman failed the turn and ran into the side of the bridge. Her baby was ejected from the car. Dark and raining heavily, the woman got out to look for her child. And while calling its name, a motorist came from the other direction, striking and killing her. Oh, my God. (laughs) It said that you can still go to the bridge late at night and hear the woman calling for her child. Okay, so is it a monkey woman bridge or is it a crybaby bridge? bridge? It's just me, my baby. <laughs> but I did find that the original Monkey Woman Bridge crossed Stewart's Creek, but the road had been rerouted in recent years. The bridge itself may have been deconstructed and moved to Cannonsburg Village in Murfreesboro. A new concrete bridge crosses Stewart Street these days, and according to rumor, Construction crews found the remains of a woman while they were digging. 
Dun, dun, dun. I have to ask, too, was she a monkey or was she a troll? Oh. All right, troll monkey. With the long white hairs? Troll monkey woman. I mean... I'm going to need about tree fitty. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a Loch Ness Monster. That's Loch Ness Monster. What does she need? You don't pass my bridge. You don't, was it, you don't pay no toll. You ain't getting no roll. <laughs> So the the, was the goat oh my man. god does she does she care for the underwater cemeteries? Because <laughs> <laughs> hmm. I think that's that same bridge that crosses over to the Fate Sanders Recreation Area. That's the only place I saw that crosses. But Stewart's Creek also runs all the way down, and like the Davis home, it's like <clears throat> right outside of it. Yeah, like the property's right on that creek. Hmm. And I was following along it, and there were some other places that sounded like they'd be haunted as fuck. <laughs> and it was like what it was like, the Stewart Manor. <laughs> but that was more like a Section 8 kind of apartment complex. I have to say, you throw manor on it, and it sounds haunted. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, spooky. <laughs> in fact, when I become rich and I have a big house out in the country on my gate, I'm going to put Ardry Manor just to keep people out. I like it. It'll have a ghost. No, no. Better yet, it's going to have a pentagram on the Yeah. Just to keep everybody out. I like it. Well, let's talk about what else we found around Smyrna. And if we have time, I'll tell you about Stones River National Battlefield on Highway 41 going into Murfreesboro from Smyrna. So I try to look up the cryptids around Smyrna. Couldn't find anything directly located, but I did find some Tennessee, Tennessee's on special cryptids. All right. Awesome. We have the <laughs> Tennessee Terror. The legend of the Tennessee Terror began in 1822 when a sea serpent rose to the surface of the Tennessee River as a farmer was fishing. The serpent was so terrifying that the farmer died soon after from fear alone. Another story, much like the first, was told by a fisherman in 1827 who had been fishing on the river and was almost shook from his canoe by a bluish-yellow creature built like a giant snake. Over the years, legend grew, and the Tennessee Terror became a 500-pound catfish, affectionately called Catzilla. Catzilla. (laughs) While catfish of this size do exist, none have been formally recorded in Tennessee as of yet. Now, there are native legends about giant river serpents. In that area, they yeah. come from, uh, and they're also found in like Appalachian folklore. Yeah, and it's usually a bird, like a thunderbird or an eagle or something, that deals with that giant serpent. Kind of like in the um, the Snallygaster and the the what's it called, the Brajigger? I don't think so. I don't oh, that think was a wolf. Of those were a serpent. One of those was a wolf. Next, we have your friend's hot mom. Oh, sorry, the White Bluff Screamer. In the small town of White Bluff, Tennessee, lies a spine-chilling tale of a wild creature in the 1920s. In a hollow near town, a man built a house for his family of nine. The story goes that almost every night as the family lay down to sleep, they are awoken by ear-piercing shrieks. After several nights of enduring the sound, the man decided to hunt down the source of the noise. As he followed the shrieks, 
of the creature led him back to his own home, where inside he found his family murdered. Oh, murdered. The white screamer he, is believed to be something much like a banshee from Irish folklore who follows around families and whose shrieks foretell death. Yeah. We we have told stories. We we have ran into stuff like that where when a culture immigrates to yeah. an area, they kind of bring their folklores and their yeah. legends. Baba Gazi, the Snallygaster. Yeah. yeah and, like. um, and they start to manifest within the area, within mm-hmm. the local uh, zeitgeist and yeah. stuff. Very true. Yeah. The Flintville Monster. This cryptid is akin to the famous Bigfoot, but much more aggressive and dangerous. It looks around Flintville, Tennessee, tormenting its inhabitants. But those who see, those who have seen it, describe the creature as standing seven feet tall, smelling similar to a skunk. One of the most famous accounts of this creature comes from a mother in the 1970s, who claimed to have seen a large man-like ape running towards her son, who was playing in a field. She ran to intercept it, but barely got to him before the creature. She ran back to the house with her son and called the police, but when they arrived to investigate the creature, all they found in the woods was 16-inch footprints and blood. You know what they say about monkeys with big feet? Big socks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think Bigfoot wears socks. Imagine well, if he did, though. But his footsies get cold. Yeah. That'd be some stinky socks. <laughs> <laughs> some wet socks. They stand up on their own. <laughs> you, you ever you ever stepped outside on, like, wet, dewy grass with mm-hmm. socks on? Then you're like, oh, instant regret. <laughs> oh, the, wor- the worst thing in the world. Well, no. Okay. That might be an exaggeration. There are probably far worse things in the world than wet socks. <laughs> but it's damn near close. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's worse if you're inside the house, though. Especially especially if you have a dog. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, oh. <laughs> the next one's my favorite, the most creative name. The Not Deer. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. A cryptid seen all through Appalachia, whose appearance is easiest, easiest described as a deer, but only at first glance. Upon further inspection, those who have encountered it have reported that the proportions were, weren't right. Sometimes described as mostly joints and, or moose-like, and sometimes downright disproportionate. Another unsettling feature of the knot deer is having a forward-facing eyes akin to a predator. Almost every report has included that the creature just felt off and that it was apparent that it held some level of sentience, the ability to feel emotions and sensations. I think there's something to be said about this one because the Wendigo is depicted that way. Mm-hmm. Even though the Wendigo in myth never had any association with deer, it was more just like this zombie or a revenant. Yeah. But there's still something inside of, like, I don't know, our reptilian brains that when we see, like, a deer carcass, it's that scary stuff. Why? Hmm. Is it because of this not deer? It probably is because of predators. If you see a fresh deer carcass, there's probably a predator nearby. 
And so that would be instilled into our survival. I was going to ask the question, though, if it was N-O-T or K-N-O-T. N-O-T. Okay. <laughs> like it's not a deer? <laughs> I, it's what I assumed, but... I just like the creativeness. <laughs> it's a... What do we call this thing? I don't know. It's not a deer. That's it. <laughs> not deer. We should rename the Bigfoot. Not a person? <laughs> <laughs> not not person. person. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I think of a giant not walking around. <laughs> K-N-O-T. <laughs> well, you know, I, I always fall back to the El Reno Chicken Man. Yeah. Although it is an awesome name, it does not depict what it is. Yeah, there and was it something broke my heart. I read somewhere else of another, uh, some YouTube video I was watching, and they had the same kind of thing where it's called like the... The lizard man or something like that or the yeah like something lizard man or something like that and it's a bigfoot and i'm like why, why is it a lizard I, wasn't the whistleblower that we covered a few episodes ago wanting to call the extraterrestrials not not humans or something like that they were it was no he just said non-human biologics non-humans that's yeah. what it was i was thinking it was not humans we should start calling them not persons not persons <laughs> <laughs> oh god the not persons are here what are you saying speaking of i'm still disappointed that yeah it didn't happen i didn't meet the aliens on the 23rd <sighs> i'm sure somebody did just wasn't us but ironically my topic for biology class this week was extraterrestrial life <laughs> oh awesome i felt like it was my time to shine <laughs> But no, you were just talking about amoebas and fungi that live on like the moon and the no. space station, and no, you were actually talking about well biological entities on other planets. It was about finding life on other planets, and basically, what I said in my post about it was that I think we'll find microbial life first, yeah. probably in the next twenty years or so. But I'm not saying that there's not. Oh, we already have. There's not. Um. I don't see us fighting intelligent life anytime soon. Like it depends how you We can't even find intelligent life on Earth. Yeah. Yeah. It depends how you define intelligence really. Basically I basically what I said is that I don't think we're gonna be finding greys on Mars anytime soon. But I think that they exist somewhere out in the universe. It may not be in our solar system, but our galaxy on its own has millions of stars. And we're not the, one of the biggest galaxies out there. So, no. I mean, we're a big galaxy, but there's quite a few that are bigger than us. So. The Stones River battle was fought from late December 1862 until January 2nd, 1863. When there are thousands of deaths in a single area, it's reasonable, even for skeptics, to assume some sort of energy lingers. The energy that lingers around the 725-acre area includes phenomena do, 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 do. such as gun and cannon fire, all the way to ghostly apparitions walking around the cemetery, which became the resting place for almost 7,000 soldiers. There is one area, though, that has such a grueling history. It's been called sl the Slaughter's Pen. This is where Union General Phil Sheridan and troops did his best to hold back the Confederates in the heavily forested area. So during this battle, 
One night after the fighting had ended, the band started playing. One side played Dixie, and the other tried to drown them out playing Yankee Doodle. Then one of the bands struck up Home Sweet Home, and quote, As if by common consent, all other airs ceased, and the bands of both armies, far as the ear could reach, joined in the refrain, unquote. Together, the soldiers sang the bittersweet song that brought back memories of home and family. Voices faded as the call came for lights out in the frosty camps. On New Year's Eve, General Bragg attacked the Union soldiers led by General Rosencrantz as they were building their fires and eating breakfast. One Union soldier described the morning thusly. The comfort of warming chilled fingers and toes and drinking a grateful cup of hot coffee outweighed for the moment any consideration of danger. As all was so quiet, not a shot having been fired. I walked out until the enemy's breastworks were in view, and there, sure enough, a succession of long lines of gray was swarming over the Confederate breastworks and sweeping towards us, but not yet with, within gun range, gunshot range. A firefight broke out. Men were scrambling in all directions to, to take cover, and that same soldier continued. Our only salvation was to lie flat as possible for the air seeth with zips of bullets. It reminded me of the passage of a swarm of bees. Bullets plowed little furrows around us, throwing up grass, soil, into our faces and over our bodies and others struck with a dull thud into the poor, some poor unfortunate soul. The following day, January 1st, 1863, back in Washington, D.C., President Abraham Lincoln announced his Emancipation Proclamation. But back on the Stones River battlefield, that day was spent tending to the dead and wounded that covered the ground and filled makeshift field hospitals. So interesting enough, I mean, this was 63. Yeah. So this was quite quite a ways into the war. I mean, the war's almost over. I mean, it's all two years away from being over, but... It's halfway over. <laughs> halfway over. <clears throat> but before this, you know, those make field, makeshift hospitals that they had, those were relatively new on the battlefields. Um, in the beginning of the war, it was literally volunteer doctors nurse and nurses and just women whose husbands had gone away to war that would go and follow the battle, the groups through battles and then sit there and mend the wounded and all of that. And um, this was actually the this is the time when it wasn't the Red Cross, but it was basically the start of the Red Cross was because of the Civil War. And it was these big battles like this with mass casualties that actually put into place the is at the time there was no retribution to the family members of the fallen soldiers or they heck they didn't even know who was what who was buried where at the time. Right. right? It was usually like up to somebody's, it would be like a soldier friend you had made, like, hey, write my family if I die. But yeah. if you both die, then there's nobody, nobody to write. Yeah, there's nobody to write. And that was how it was for most of the Civil War. And it was during this time that um, 
that Lincoln gave permission for this. It was, I want to say it was the Federalist Volunteer Society I, or the Federal Volunteer Society, something like that. I can't remember exactly what it was called, uh, but it was started by Clara Burton. And basically she had witnessed the Battle of Bull Run and all the deaths that had happened there and was like, something needs to happen for these soldiers. And around this particular time is when they started these makeshift hospitals and they actually started keeping track of who died before this and all the other battlefields, there were bodies just laying out in the ground because there was not really a method of which to get rid of the bodies or to bury the bodies some units would have put a regiment together that their sole job was to stick around and bury the dead. Um, but it, at this time, they finally got a command. The general general was responsible for what happened to the dead. Okay, yeah. So it became the general's duty to assign these regiments to bury the dead. Um. This is also when embalming became a practice. Yeah. Um, Because this is, you know, soldiers from all over the United States were dying and they had to get the bodies back to the families. And they would use train cars of ice to transport the bodies back to their homes. And then the embalmers started coming around to the battlefields and they would do battlefield embalming so that the bodies could be embalmed and preserved to be able to make it back home. And oh, it's really interesting in the the history of what came out of the Civil War, because also there were no national burials. National burials. There were no, like I said, there was no contribution, or nothing for the families at the after the death of a loved one. Yeah. Nowadays, the families are compensated if a soldier dies in battle. You can be buried on a national uh, cemetery or the government will pay for your funeral. Yeah. yeah. Um, It's even like you being a veteran. If you were to pass, the government would still pay for your funeral. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So but none of that existed at this time. I doubt they would, though, if like we had a civil war and I joined like the rebel cause. Yeah. (laughs) They would be like, this was solely for the unions. (laughs) This was solely for the Union soldiers. They didn't do anything for the Confederate soldiers, but this was for the Union soldiers. But the doctors and nurses would. I don't know. Because they they also even offer it to to people that, let's say, have been like executed or something and they were Mm -hmm. a veteran they still offer them yeah as long as you uh, were honorably discharged you qualify okay um no matter what you might do in the future you're still kind of qualified for it but you know it was really interesting this was actually the class that i took over the summer yeah was about this stuff and about the civil war and the the origins of funerals and all that but I just thought it was really interesting that these big battles are what prompted the change. These mass losses, losses of lives is what it took for the government to be like, oh, maybe we should take care of all our soldiers. You know? <laughs> right. <laughs> they didn't think about that beforehand. But, uh, yeah, I mean, because of 
these this type of thing, there are now the National Memorial. Like, in fact, now don't. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. The bodies in the um, tombs of the unknown. Yeah. A lot of them are Civil War veterans because they were never labeled. They didn't know who the bodies were. No families ever claimed them. So they were left unidentified. Oh. But Gettysburg was actually the first uh, national cemetery. <coughs> and they moved all the bodies from all the battlefields to Gettysburg. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. And then they started putting them up. They've made the one in Arlington. And then over time, they are all, all over the place now. I know we have one in Lawton here. Yeah. Um. But yeah, they have national the the national cemeteries and stuff like that. So, and it was quite recent. I think like in the past ten years, you had two options for headstones, which was a cross or a star of David. Star of David. Mm-hmm. And now they've opened that up to like a pentagram, like the symbol of Alwyn, um, Buddhist symbols. Uh, yep. Sikh symbols, uh, just about just about anything you can think of. It was actually a group of Wiccans that started the process to get that. It was, through. yeah, a group of Wiccans and Druids. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, there's a little bit of interesting facts for you. <laughs> there's your fun, morbid facts from Amy. See, <laughs> schooling teaches me things. Actually, I plan on doing a whole episode over what I learned in that class because I learned a lot of really cool stuff. Well, I'm looking forward to it. That might be a good episode to do during the spooky spooky season. Yeah. Different types of burials from across the con- the or across the world since it's a time to honor our dead. Yeah. So um so back to Stony River. On January 2nd near 4 p.m. near the very banks of the Stony River, the Confederates drove the Union troops to fall back across the river. The Confederates were then met with cannon fire at close range, capable of 100 rounds per minute. The roar went on for 10 minutes, shaking the very earth under the soldiers. A Florida soldier gave the following report. The nurse the Yankees came to getting me was shooting a hole in my pants and cutting hair off of my right temple. I know a peck of balls passed less than a yard from me. The man in front of me got slightly wounded, and the one to my right mortally, and the one to my left killed. In less than an hour, 1,800 Confederate soldiers were dead or wounded. Two days later, General Bragg withdrew. General Rosencrantz remained in Murfreesboro, and built the most extensive fortification yet erected during the war. The failure of General Bragg to maintain a hold on Middle Tennessee lost the Confederacy rich farmland and opened a corridor for the Union Army to penetrate the Deep South, thus providing the opportunity for Union Major General William T. Sherman's march to the sea. Shortly after the battle, a Union soldier wrote, Before this battle took place, the outlook for our country was very dark and threatening. Our armies had gained no signal and important victories for many months, and there was very great danger that some of the nations of Europe would recognize the Southern Confederacy, and that it would be impossible for us to maintain our blockade. 
Had General Rosencrantz's army been defeated at the Battle of Stones River, it would not have not only have prolonged the war, but it could have greatly increased our danger in conflicts with foreign countries. In total, in this battle, more than 23,000 soldiers were killed, wounded, missing, or captured. From the Union Army, about 1,700 men were killed, 7,800 were wounded, and 3,700 were missing. A total of 13,200 casualties from an army estimated to count 41,400. The Confederates' casualties included 1,300 killed, 7,900 wounded, and about 1,000 missing for a total of 10,200 out of the estimated army of 35,000. A Confederate soldier wrote of the battle, I am sick and tired of this war, and I can see no prospects of having peace for a long time to come. I don't think it'll ever be stopped by fighting. The Yankees can't whip us, and we can never whip them. And I see no prospect of peace unless the Yankees themselves rebel and throw down their arms and refuse to fight any longer. Many Union soldiers were as tired of the fighting as this unnamed foot soldier, but they did not rebel. The war continued for more than two years after the Battle of Stones River. Finally, with two-thirds of its railroad mileage destroyed, its capital at Richmond in flames, and General Robert E. Lee's blocked by Ulysses, General Ulysses S. Grant, the Confederate Army was forced to surrender on April 9, 1865, at a, a Pomomotix Courthouse in Virginia. In his memoirs of the Civil War, Private Sam Watkins of the 1st Tennessee Infantry wrote of the Union's victory at Stones River. I cannot remember now or ever seen more dead men and horses and captured cannon all jumped together, all jumbled together. Then that scene of blood and carnage, the ground was literally covered with blue coats dead. Around 15% of the battlefield was preserved by the National Park Service in the 1920s. The areas not preserved have been developed into homes, businesses, and commercial developments, which report paranormal activity. On the preserved portion of the battlefield are two hotspots, Slaughter's Pen and Hell's Half Acre. In Slaughter's Pen, Strange lights have been seen bobbing across the field during the night. Apparitions have been sighted. Unexplained groans and screams have been heard. People often report an eerie stillness and cold spots 10 to 20 degrees cooler than surrounding areas. Six months after the battle, the Hazen Brigade Monument was constructed and it remains the oldest American Civil War monument. In this area, people often see the Headless Horseman. Some say it's Colonel Goresh. During the battle, Union General Rosencrantz, Chief of Staff Julius Peter Koresh, was decapitated by a Confederate cannonball while riding his horse near the Round Forest. His horse went on for 20 yards before his body hit the ground and this horrific death has been preserved in some way 
within the spiritual fabric of this land. A reenactor recounted once as he was going for some water during the night, he saw what he thought to be another reenactor in the bushes. He called for the man to come out. The soldier did and was wearing one of the most accurate uniforms he had ever seen. The soldier lifted his hands in surrender, then fell down and vanished into the ground. Wow. <laughs> and I found many stories on hauntedplaces.org that go back to 2016 written by visitors that had strange occurrences on the battlefield. The first one comes from Karen in 2016. <laughs> This happened over 30 years ago. This was well before the improvements that had been made. We owned property and it was actually part of the battlefield. My sister was coming home late one evening on Mansion Pike when a teenage boy stumbled out of the slaughter pen area into the road trying to flag her down. He had bandages and bloodstains all around his head and upper body. She told my dad and he had the police. He and the police were, went there looking for this young man. The interesting thing is, is that there was a fence all along the road and he had come through the fence. Of course, no one was found. So we have to call the manager. <laughs> Sorry, Karen's. That one's wild. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Bill wrote in 2016. On a summer night in August many years ago, I was with four friends at night. We were walking the paths having only two flashlights. We became lost and emerged after a while in the back at the back door of the slaughter pen. Each one of us had our own episode. I forget what happened to myself, but when I came to, as it were, the two women were crying. We had to pull one of the women away as she claimed that she had to stay and help the poor injured men. We managed to leave and head back to our car, but not before something from the air swooped down on our group. I would describe it as large wing, as large wings, and we all ducked down on the to the road. Large wings, fucking Mothman, <laughs> <laughs> hanging out. Like, oh, I'll have you know, I am a Civil War. <laughs> uh, Civil War enthusiast. Enthusiast. All the cryptids get together and reenact the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> this is what Dawn wrote in 2017. I lived a few miles north, about two miles south of the 840 overpass on the east side of the road. I was wakened a few times by mur murmuring voices in the walls and a lady who used to visit frequently late at night. The second bedroom contained an extremely unsettled, angry energy that would cause disturbances, but not only in that room when the door was closed. 
which I pretty much always stayed. I lived by myself, but I never felt alone. I still drive by the house a lot and reflect on my experiences there. Sometimes I feel like it calls to me. There is something to be said about that. A place like that calls to you. Places yeah. where you've had paranormal experiences. Mm-hmm. I want to go and I want to buy our old house. Yeah. The you one that was so haunted. I dream about that house all the time. And the ghost is in my dreams. And if we're ever out driving around, you usually drive by it to look at it. Oh, yeah. I want that house back so bad. <laughs> it calls to me. So James rode in 2017. We took visiting friends out there and heard a four-count drumbeat. We were only ones in the park that day. Also in another area, we did a three-point turnaround, and, and the people in the back freaked out because they thought we almost ran over a woman in a hoop dress. Needless to say, there was no one there. Nearby, a small creek, and I drove through an apparition of a soldier one night. The soldier seemed to be following the upper ridge of the creek bank. I could clearly see his bedroll folded over the top of his backpack. Uh, this is what Lance wrote in 2018. My uncle lives down the street from this battlefield. We went to visit him and he gave us a tour of this battlefield. My uncle brought his dog and he walked beside us. As we got to a certain... As we got to a certain, to certain areas of the battlefield, the dog became spooked. <laughs> he didn't want us to go any further and hesitated when we continued walking. He looked around like something was there. I didn't see anything, but the dog certainly did. He kept whining into the woods and began to whimper. We then started to hear screaming from afar. We heard... Molly Pitcher, Molly Pitcher. Then we heard Brockman's voice say, I'll clean your horse for tree fitting. <laughs> Fucking A. <laughs> it was weird but interesting at the same time. I highly recommend you visit this place. Bring a pet dog with you. They can detect spirits. I didn't make this one up. This was actually all I'll clean your horse for tree fitty. <laughs> um, I, I think the Loch Ness monster <laughs> is in Tennessee. It was about that time I realized that it was a, <laughs> a crustacean from the Paleolithic period. This is what Caroline wrote in 2019. I'm Sushi Roll, my channel name. And I was live in Wolfrey's Boro. Mm-hmm. I am currently in fifth grade and took a field trip to Stones River where we were in the slaughter pen. I fell out of a high rock and a strong tug pulled me up. A boy in my class was behind me, and I thanked him. I I freaked out when he said, What did I do? Why are you thanking me? I looked to my left and saw a shadow figure that that seemed to like a uniform on laying against a tree. Mm -hmm. 
I could make out two eyes that winked at me. <laughs> then it disappeared into thin air. That was before fall break. It, it is almost summer, and I'm still having nightmares every single night. Oh, poor Caroline. Oh, <laughs> but he saved her. Right? He's a uh, good ghost. A shadow figure. That's that's wild with with two eyes. All right. Dr. M wrote in 2019. Lived in Franklin, but used to walk the trails here while my daughter practiced soccer in Murfreesboro. Heard phantom cannons in the distance on several occasions. Frequently caught movement in the in and out of the trees via the corner of my eye. And one time lost my car keys near the slaughter pen. Only know that because a worker found it later. Forcing us to sneak back into the site in the dark with the spare keys to pick up the car. Beyond creepy in the dark. <laughs> Yeah, there's something about places like that that just, it holds the energy, you know. Even skeptics will say this, you go to sites like, oh, like the the World Trade Center or the, like where the Oklahoma City bombing. I say, I, I've been to the Oklahoma City Memorial and even just driving around it, you feel that energy. Yeah. Yeah. You don't even have, I mean, you get out and you walk around, it's even stronger, but even in the car as you're driving past it, you can just feel it. I I haven't been far, very far east of the Mississippi, but I'd really like to go and visit. Some of those old graveyards are really cool. Visit like Gettysburg and some of these areas where these battles took place, especially because I've, I've never been a big Civil War buff or fan or, you know, I just learned what I had to in school. But after yeah. this class that I took over this summer, it became interesting to me. And I really want to go and visit those places now on multiple levels. Um, I guess I guess it became interesting because it put a topic that I was interested in with the Civil War, so it oh, right. became interesting, you know. Because I've never been big on studying wars. Like I just I haven't either. I uh, don't know. I feel like like medieval, like medieval war, yeah, or even like even ancient war. I've been very yeah. interested in that stuff, but I just feel like we should be evolved enough to be past that, and we're not, and it makes me sad. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I feel like we as a species, in general, with as advanced as we are with our knowledge and our technology and everything, why we still have the need to fight each other all the time I just I don't know it breaks my heart I feel like we should be past that that's why I want to be a, with the Nordics <laughs> <laughs> a lot of places like this battlefields where events ha events have where, where things happened that were major events like you said 9-11 the Oklahoma City bombing, Pearl Harbor. Oh, yeah, Gettysburg. Yeah, Gettysburg. I mean, all these places where all this death happens suddenly, you know. And violently. And violently, there's going to be something residual there. Um, it makes me think about all the school shootings and things like that and how many high schools 
and middle schools and restaurants and movie theaters and grocery stores where all this senseless violence happens is setting up for allowing those energies in. Because it doesn't even have to be the energies of the people who died there. It changes the environment, which then attracts the energies. It collects the trauma of not just those who've experienced, but even the survivors that are Mm -hmm. left behind. And those who visit. And yeah, I don't know who are affected by it. Because I mean, I've even heard stories of places like you know the the veteran wall and seeing soldiers that had passed there, you know, things like that. So I think we bring those things to those places with us when we visit. Yeah, and some of them stick around. Sure. Yeah. You know, but I still would like to visit these places. Yeah, I'm a real big believer in that. Like our personal energies, like our life forces kind of get on other things. Especially the things like we craft. Things that give like an emotional response, you know. Yeah. Because there's also very, very many other places that leave behind kind of a more positive and creative and like loving energy as well. Yeah. That you can sense. Those places that you go to and you just kind of feel at home and you feel welcome. Yeah. Yeah. You feel like this. Yeah. Like, hey, I feel like I've been here before even. Mm-hmm. Like those senses. Uh, but yeah. Back in the... Uh, oh, like the 60s and the 70s, people would, would use the term like the vibes, you know. I got my weird vibe shirt on right yeah. now. Yeah, <laughs> we don't use that term as often now, but we do say like the, kids use the, the word vibe. I use vibes all the time. <laughs> like, well, well, I mean, in in reference to the energy of a place. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't. I don't know really what we call it nowadays. I use vibes. Yeah, but you're but, but you're old. <laughs> <laughs> Kylie, what do kids use now? For the energy of a place. Yeah, you don't know. They don't talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> no cap. <laughs> <laughs> now they say this place is bussin'. Oh, yeah. This place is bussin'. <laughs> this place is dope. This place is bad AF. Rad. It's totally radical. Totally. <laughs> totally <laughs> radical, dude. Oh, wait, that's us, too. <laughs> I just say dope. I'm just dope. That's dope. And I, I smoke dope. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's not uncommon for me to say this has, like, really good vibes, or this yeah. place has kind of got I- weird vibes, or yeah, or yeah. that person, he gave me ooky vibes. <laughs> like, we still use the term. I just don't yeah. hear it much on, like, TV or film like you used to back in the day. Yeah, people give me vibes too. Oh yeah, yeah. You get the vibes from the people. You're like, mm, those and not, are ooky. and not just like the crazy ones either. <laughs> it, it could just be yeah, some stranger where you're just like, huh? They put out a real kind of attractive energy. Like that person seems like they're pretty cool. That person seems pretty yeah. laid back. Or. 
I feel like that person isn't honest. Yeah. You know, things like that. Yeah. Well, I will be honest and say Tennessee is a place that I've always wanted to visit. Uh, we actually have quite a few friends in the Tennessee area. We do. Maybe we should actually make a trip out to Tennessee. Yeah. Head at Memphis and the Memphis investigators and yeah. head to Nashville and the Smyrna and, and check them all out. Um, honestly, it's not too far. It's what a state away. It's right on the other side of Arkansas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, yeah, yes. A state away, a state in between. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not. I mean, what, it's four hours to the Arkansas? Well, I wouldn't know. Yes, it's about three, three and a half to four hours to Arkansas, then probably another six hours through Arkansas. But, yeah. We should totally make a trip to Tennessee. Kylie, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, she's down. <laughs> Reminds me of a joke I heard, and it was, everybody has that one friend that's, always has to show them up you know like you caught two fish they caught three you know you did this and they did this other thing that was so much extreme you went on a vacation to tennessee they went on a vacation to eleven a sea you went to tennessee well i saw all of the seas so <laughs> yeah. we want to thank our listeners in Schmierna, tennessee and all over the country and the world, you guys are awesome. If you want our next road trip to be your hometown. Oh, and I bet you do. Go ahead and share us with your friends and family and get all your people listening. And we pick our road trips based off of where we have the most listeners at the time. Oh, and I'm going to say that Murfreesboro, I pulled up a whole lot of stuff on your area. And we will probably get to it one day. Yep. And it just so happened Shmirna was the winner this week. or the, Well, I guess for the last... But they were a ten close episodes. second. Yeah. So, share us with your friends and your family. If you don't like us and you've made it this far, why are you hate listening? But share us with the people you don't like so that maybe they'll like us. Be sure to check out our Facebook, Instagram, and Discord, all at UMP Normalcy. Um, if you feel inclined to help out the show, you can always subscribe to our Patreon. Uh, we will be having, we will be putting, po- we will be putting episodes up with no ads starting soon. We've also got some pregame on there. We're trying to come up with something fun that we can do on our Patreon that you guys would enjoy. So if you've got any ideas for things we should do on our Patreon, let us know. Um, Send us your ooky spooky stories. Yes. Send us your ooky spooky stories for spooky season. And also if you are not wanting to totally, you know, commit to a Patreon, if you want to buy us a coffee, the link for that will be in the description of this show. And the link for our Patreon will also be there. And again, if you want to help out the Montauk people. We have One Nation Montauk who is collecting money to help get their tribe reinstated as a tribe in the United States and hopefully get back some of their land. And that link is also in the description. 
And I think that's going to do it. So until next time. Keep digging. Ding! Unearthing Paranormalcy is part of the Green Mushroom Podcast Network. To hear more great independent productions like the one you just listened to, visit our catalog at tgmpodcastnetwork.com.